When you stop and think about all that's going on today in the good old U.S. of A., you might just think that there are only two sides to every story. With over 327 million citizens, there are actually many more sides to our American story. On this program, I provide you with a different point of view, mine. This is The Truth Hurts, a program that hopefully will cause you to stop and actually think about the issues, the facts, and the general state of our American story. I wanted to step away from politics, racism, and all the other controversial things going on in the news for a few moments to discuss something I like to call the value of money, the value of convenience, the value of expertise. You get what you pay for. You've heard that for years, right? How about good ain't cheap and cheap ain't good? Those are classics. What about you pay for convenience as much as for the product itself? Products have value and of course, convenience has a price. Sure, you could go to the local grocery store three miles away, stand in long checkout lines and pick up a gallon of milk for about three bucks and 50 cents. You could also drive a block away to the convenience store and be in and out in a matter of seconds with that same gallon of milk, but you will pay $4.99. There's a price to the convenience. If your car is running rough, it might be time for a tune-up. New spark plugs, maybe some plug wires, clean out the fuel injectors. Hey, while you're in there, new air filter, fuel filter. Perhaps go ahead and change the oil and filter while you're at it. You could go to the local auto parts store and for about a hundred bucks on a four banger, you could have all the parts you need for that job. Now, tools. Yeah, tools. Let's see, wrenches, gapping tool, electronic code scanner, computer to reset all the settings, sockets, yeah, don't forget the sockets. And how about a nice covered place to do the tune-up and the oil change? You know, with lighting, a fan, a car lift. Yeah, a car lift so you aren't on the ground on your back in the dirty driveway or yard or trying to precariously balance the car up on some makeshift jack stands. How about a nice draining device to catch the old oil? Oh yeah, and then there's a place you need to dispose of the oil legally and environmentally appropriate. And, of course, the peace of mind, knowing you did the job correctly, right? So in your mind, you should be able to go into a repair facility and get that tune-up and oil change for about 100 bucks, right? <sighs> a friend of mine just inherited an old motorcycle from an uncle who passed away. That bike sat in an old wooden shed for over 15 years and hadn't been started for at least 12 years sitting out there in an uninsulated storage shed for over a decade. Ooh, goody, I got a free bike, right? Wrong. It wouldn't start. He tried jump-starting it with one of those battery jumpers. He said the gasoline smelled like paint thinner when he called me to ask me if I knew what could possibly be wrong with the bike, sight unseen. Of course I told him that the basics of where to start looking would be to empty out the old gasoline, put in some sea foam or some other additive and some fresh gasoline, maybe unhook the fuel line from the carburetors and let the little bit of old gasoline drain out first, some carburetor cleaner, of course a new battery because 
There's no way a 15-year-old battery is going to be any good after sitting out there in the elements. The gasoline smell is certainly the telltale sign of bad fuel, and you'd probably have to end up removing the tank, flushing it out, flushing out or replacing the fuel lines, cleaning and possibly rebuilding the carburetors. That's just for starters. The battery cables might likely also have corroded over the years. Probably wouldn't take a jump even if he tried. Spark plugs were likely fouled or at least beyond their usable life. And then I mentioned the potential of dry rot to tires, wires, hoses, other plastic and rubber parts. But I was careful to tell him that these were probably just the start of what could become a very expensive free motorcycle. The best advice I could give him was, of course, to tell him to take his free bike to a repair shop that worked on older motorcycles. He said, why there? Why not a dealer? After all, it's a blankety-blank brand bike. Why can't I just take it to the blankety-blank brand dealer? I wanted to step away from politics and riots for just a moment. Otherwise, you go mad, right? So I wanted to talk about the value of money, the value of expertise, and the value of convenience. We'll do that in just a moment. This is the Truth Hurts Program. Here's your host, Steve Z. You get what you pay for. You've heard that for years, right? How about good ain't cheap and cheap ain't good? Classics. What about you pay for the convenience as much as the product itself? Products have value. And of course, convenience has a price. So does expertise. Sure, you could go to a local grocery store three or four miles away, stand in a long checkout line and pick up a gallon of milk for about three bucks. You could also drive a block away to a convenience store and be in and out within seconds with the same gallon of milk, but you're going to pay $4.99. You're paying for the convenience. If your car's running rough, it might just be time for a tune-up. New spark plugs, maybe plug wires, clean out the fuel injection system. Hell, while you're in there, a new air filter, fuel filter, maybe change the oil and filter while you're at it. You could go down to the local auto parts store and for about a hundred bucks on a four banger, you can buy all the parts you need for that job. Now, do you have the tools? That's right, it takes tools. Those parts don't install themselves, you know. Let's see, wrenches, gapping tool, code scanner, computer to reset all the settings, sockets, and a nice covered place to do the work, you know, with lighting and a fan and a car lift. Yeah, car lift, so you aren't on the ground on your back in the dirty driveway or the yard. And a nice drain device to catch all that old oil. And of course, a place to dispose of the oil legally in an environmentally appropriate fashion. And the peace of mind knowing the job was done correctly. So in your mind, a hundred bucks is what it should cost to do all these things to your car, right? Wrong. A friend of mine just inherited a vintage motorcycle from an uncle. I say vintage because the bike's at least 20, 25 years old. 
This bike sat in an old wooden shed for over 15 years and it hadn't been started in at least 12 years, according to his aunt. Sitting out there in an uninsulated storage shed for over a decade. Ooh, goody, free bike, right? Wrong, the bike doesn't start. He said he tried to use a battery jump box, but it wouldn't start. He said he opened the gas tank and it smelled like paint thinner. And so he called me, <laughs> don't know why, but he called me to ask me if I knew what could be wrong with the bike, sight unseen. I told him the basics of where to start looking. The battery not jumping was a telltale sign of a bad battery and possibly cables. The gasoline smell was certainly the sign of bad fuel and he would likely need to remove the tank, flush it out, flush out the fuel lines, clean the carburetors and put in fresh gasoline just for starters. The spark plugs are likely fouled or at least beyond their useful life. I mentioned the potential of dry rot to tires, wires, hoses, rubber seals on the forks and other parts that might be there. I was careful to tell him that that's probably just the start of what could become a very expensive free bike. My best advice, of course, was to tell him to take his free bike to a motorcycle repair shop that worked on older motorcycles. I told him that most motorcycle dealers would likely not be interested in taking on a homestead project, you know, something that might sit there for months on end, waiting on older parts to become available, and time for a mechanic to troubleshoot and repair all the things that were likely wrong with the bike. I also told him that dealer mechanics are usually fairly young and not accustomed to working on the older carbureted bikes since fuel injection took over the industry decades ago. Yes, in order to even begin to think about getting that bike back on the road, it will likely take hundreds, if not thousands of dollars, depending, of course, on the bike. Same philosophy goes for older, sitting, used cars, or generators, or four-wheelers, or boats, or RVs, or even appliances. You know, anything mechanical that's been neglected and stored for long periods of time. When you factor in the dry rotting that occurs to belts, hoses, tires, and other items, you consider the fuel system flush and the other fluids that will have to be replaced and the systems that will have to be properly cleaned and adjusted, if not outright rebuilt, the total price for that free bike might be much more willing than you are able or willing to afford. Come on, you know you were thinking the same thing. The truth hurts. By the way, as a side note, my son bought a used 1980 Honda 400 last year from a friend in Tennessee for a few hundred bucks. The bike had been stored in a climate controlled garage for about three or four years without being ridden or started. So as you can imagine, February, in the cold, starting that bike was a task. Getting it to run and ride smoothly was a challenge. Now I mentioned all this information about convenience, and car repairs, and the motorcycle to lead into my discussion about the value of money, the value of convenience, the value of time, and of, of course, expertise. 
I'm often sent videos and clips from people on various topics that they say, Hey, Steve, this would be a great thing to talk about. I was sent a video from a motorcycle shop in Alabama where the owner and technician of this professional repair facility discussed the notion of good ain't cheap and cheap ain't good. And it brought me back to my days as an automotive dealership service manager and my time as a service manager in an independent automotive retail chain. I remember the people that would come in for the free inspection and then they'd be outraged when we charged them a price for repairs. They'd often say, but I just went to the auto parts store or the parts department counter at your dealership and they said the parts would only be half that amount. Yes, there's a price to convenience and to expertise and to having a facility to do the work. You see, what the potential customer fails to realize time and time again is that there's more to the performance of a service than just the cost of materials, parts, and supplies. The convenience factor alone entails the cost of doing business in addition to the cost of those parts. Some of those costs include, of course, the building of the building. The purchasing of the shelving, the registers, the computer systems, the phone system, lighting, vehicle lifts, diagnostic equipment, tools, storage tanks for the new fluids and the old disposed fluids, environmental compliance, licensing, OSHA compliance, fire marshal compliance, payroll, insurance, uniforms, supplies, receipt paper, cleaning supplies, and yes, even toilet paper, and a whole lot of other things necessary to run a business. Then you have to factor in the cost of a qualified and quality employee, the technician, the mechanic. The skill, the training, the certification of these individuals is not free. The expertise and the liability of the work performed by those individuals is not free. And of course the time they spent learning and honing their professional craft is a valuable commodity and it too is not free. So when my buddy called me outraged to complain that a motorcycle repair shop told him it would take between $1,800 and $2,400 to get his free motorcycle basically roadworthy, I simply replied, yeah, that's about right. So my buddy spent hours on the internet researching the price of two new tires, two new front fork seals, two new fuel lines, a fuel filter, an oil filter, plugs, wires, the price of oil and antifreeze, the cost of new brake linings, brake fluid, and of course a new brake reservoir for that brake fluid, he came up with a price of about $860. He was certainly not a happy person. He spent the next few minutes telling me about what a ripoff this shop was trying to pull on him by adding over $1,000 to what he thought was the cost of fixing the bike. So after letting him rant, I asked him a few basic questions. Do you have a repair shop to do this kind of repair? No. Have you ever rebuilt carburetors on a motorcycle? No. Or any carburetor? No. Have you ever changed the fork seals on a motorcycle? No. Have you ever changed the oil or an antifreeze on a motorcycle? No. Have you ever changed the plugs and the plug wires on a motorcycle? No and no. You ever pulled a fuel tank off a motorcycle, cleaned it out, flushed it, and reinstalled it? No. How's your back feeling, old man? Do you have a motorcycle lift? 
Are you planning on doing all these repairs on the ground? What's your knowledge about troubleshooting the no-start condition? After a few frustrating minutes asking and being answered these basic questions, my buddy, I think he's still my buddy, he started to see the value of the convenience of having a repair shop nearby and having a qualified trained professional to do the repairs on his free bike. I did point out to them to him that uh, if he went out and bought that bike in running condition from a vintage motorcycle dealer, he'd probably pay between four and six grand for that particular model. So I advised him that 2,500 bucks would still be a bargain. I pointed out that the cost of a motorcycle repair entails more than just the sum of its parts. I did that because a lot of people don't understand the value of the training and the expertise of the technician that has to work on that motorcycle. So for your listening displeasure, I'd like to make another parallel comparison. Recently, my neighbor's central air conditioning system simply failed to start. It just wouldn't start. 91 degrees outside meant close to 90 degrees inside after the heat of the day beat down on a black roof. So he called an air conditioning repair service. First, he was angry that they told him it was a $79 call-out charge for them to drive out and troubleshoot the problem. I explained, of course it costs money for that. You think that truck runs on air? You think that technician, in the hour it takes to drive to your house and troubleshoot it, you think he works for free? Do you work for free? Didn't think so. He troubleshot the damage and found it to be a bad capacitor, the hard start capacitor that fires up the compressor on your central air conditioning system. At five years of age, the capacitor simply died. Now, my neighbor researched the cost of a hard start capacitor for his particular model. They ranged in price from $16 to $35. So he figured $79 plus $16, he'd still get out for about $100. It's not that simple. Remember, the repair is more than the sum of its parts. I pointed out that the cost of that hard start capacitor might be 20 bucks, but the knowledge, the training, and the skill of that certified technician to troubleshoot the cause of that damage, to troubleshoot the repair and perform the repair without electrocuting himself is why the service call turned out to be $175, not 20. The air conditioning technician had to pay for his training, his education, his certification both with his time and with his money. You're paying for the convenience of having him drive to you to fix your things using his knowledge and skill and expertise and his tools that he had to pay for. Get it? He says out loud exactly what you are thinking. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts program. So my neighbor tells me 
well, I probably could have researched the main cause of no starts in central air conditioning systems and found out that it was the capacitor. And I could have turned off the main electrical connection to the air conditioning unit and fixed that thing myself. My question, of course, is why didn't you? And what if you researched on the internet and found that 400 people said the main cause was the breaker attached to your house and you went out and bought a breaker based on their so-called expertise, not having ever seen your air conditioner. And let's say you spent a hundred bucks replacing that breaker yourself, only to flip it on and find that your air conditioner still does not work. No liability there. You have no one but yourself to blame. So then you research again and find out that it might be the Kuzumutsit Dinky Mabob. And so you replace that for $150, and it still doesn't solve your problem. And after four more doosits and whatsits, you finally come upon the fact that it might be the hard start capacitor, and then you fix it. How much did this end up costing you? You see, the expertise costs money, and the liability for that technician telling you it's a hard start capacitor, if that didn't solve the problem, would fall upon him. My next question, of course, from a neighbor was, do you have Freon pressure gauges and a digital multimeter to test your system? Probably not. Remember, that technician had to purchase those items. Anyway, back to the motorcycles. As you may know, I've embarked upon a new hobby of motorcycle track day riding at various motorsport speedway parks. I knew going in there were expenses involved. Of course, I have to buy the motorcycle. And I know that when you ride track, you end up using up tires a lot quicker than if you're just riding down the highway. I know the cost of fuel, the cost of insurance, the cost of different things that you have to buy, the accessories, the helmet, the leather one-piece motorcycle safety uh, uniform, I guess, for lack of a better term, the gear, the boots, the gloves. I know that those are ancillary costs of my hobby. Boaters don't expect to buy a boat for X number of dollars and expect to never spend another penny on their boat. Anchors, lines, fuel, maintenance, dock fees, launch fees, bait, cleaning, licensing, registration, storage, all costs that continue. If someone gave you a free boat, it would likely cost you a lot of money to get that free boat working. When your boat breaks down or you damage it, it costs money to have professional repairs done to that boat or that motor. You don't want to do it yourself and find yourself stranded in the middle of a lake, or worse, the ocean. If you play music, it's not just the initial cost of the instrument. For me, it's the guitar or guitars. It's the strings, the cases, the straps, the cords, the amplifiers, the microphones, the PA systems, the storage and transportation costs to and from the gig. It's tubes and transistors breaking and failing. It's cables going bad, microphones dropping to the stage floor. It's cigarette smoke residue in circuits. It's drunk bar patrons spilling their drinks on your speakers. It costs money to have sensitive electronic equipment professionally repaired and maintained. So you see, it doesn't matter what your hobby is, or what appliance you own, or vehicle, or plane, or drone, or bicycle. Stuff happens. Fixing stuff costs money. Fixing stuff right may cost a little more money now, but usually it costs a hell of a lot less than your 
half-ass attempt to fix it yourself, and then having to have a professional come out and fix the stuff that you fixed, or didn't fix. It's very easy to armchair quarterback, but until you've been on the field in the game, training for years to hone your skills, you might find that at crunch time you cannot possibly know what it actually takes to properly play the game. And that, my friends, is the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. The Truth Hurts program can be found on the following platforms. Spotify, Anchor.fm, Breaker, Google Podcasts. Google Play Music, Overcast, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, and other platforms. Simply search The Truth Hurts Steve Z to hear us anytime, on demand. As I've said before, sometimes I get things from listeners and from friends, and I like to share them with you. My friend Dusty from Arkansas sent me this earlier today. It says, please read the proposed 28th Amendment to the United States Constitution. What well, takes a couple of minutes? 28th Amendment, 35 states and counting. Our present situation. Children of Congress members do not have to pay back their college student loans. Staffers of Congress family members are also exempt from having to pay back student loans themselves. Members of Congress can retire at their full pay after only one two-year term in office. Members of Congress have exempted themselves from many of the laws that they've passed under which ordinary folks like you and I must live. For example, they're exempt from any fear of prosecution for sexual harassment. In the latest example, they've exempted themselves from health care reform in all of its aspects. They're not beholden to the Obamacare mandates. We must not tolerate this. An elite class of such people, elected as servants, but then putting themselves above the law. I don't truly care if they're Democrat, Republican, or Independent, or whatever. Self-serving must stop. Governors of 35 states have filed suit against the federal government for imposing unlawful burdens upon their states. It only takes 38 of the 50 states to actually convene a constitutional convention. So, the proposed 28th Amendment to the Constitution. Congress shall make no law that applies to the citizens of the United States that does not apply equally to the senators and or representatives. And Congress shall make no law that applies to the senators and representatives that does not apply equally to the citizens of the United States. It's not a bad idea. What's good for the goose should indeed be good for the gander. Anyway, I just thought I'd share that with you this morning. He also sent me the Congressional Reform Act, a proposal. Number one, no tenure, no pension. Congressman or congresswoman collects a salary while in office and then receives no pay when they're out of office and no more perks to go with them. It's just like quitting any job that you've worked at for two or four or six years. Bye-bye. Number two, Congress, past, present, and future, should be mandated to participate in Social Security, meaning they must contribute to 
and can only take from under the guidelines of the Social Security that we all must follow. All funds in the Congressional Retirement Fund should be moved to Social Security immediately. All future funds flow into the Social Security system and Congress must participate with the American people. Democrat, Republican, Independent, it doesn't matter. That money may not be used for any other purpose. Number three, Congress must purchase their own retirement plan, just as all Americans have to do. No golden parachutes. Number four, Congress will no longer be able to vote themselves a pay raise. In this proposal, congressional pay would rise by the lower of 3% or the consumer price index. Number five, Congress loses their current health care system and must participate in the same health care system of the American people. Number six, Congress must equally abide by all laws that are imposed upon the American people. For example, there must be an immediate end to the congressional exemption from prosecution for insider trading. There's no reason for a congressperson who makes $174,000 a year to be able to use their knowledge of insider trading information to get themselves in a position to become millionaires or billionaires. Number seven, all contracts with past and present Congress people are null and void. The American people did not make this contract with them. Congress made these contracts by and for themselves. You see, folks, serving in Congress is an honor. It's a privilege. It's never been intended to be a career. The Founding Fathers envisioned citizen legislators who serve their term and then go back home and go back to work. It was never intended to be a lifelong career with perks and freebies that extend to the congressperson's families in perpetuity. This is not a Democrat, Republican, or even an independent call to action. This is not politically motivated. Congress people should serve a term and go home. That way, we keep fresh ideas moving into the country and we're not saddled with decades, half centuries of people who have carved out such a position of power for themselves so as to place themselves on pedestals far above those who they swore to serve. Think about it. And that's about all I have to say on this topic for now. Usually when all is said and done, much more is said than is ever done. But it is sometimes the doing that causes more harm than it does good. So go out and make a difference in the world. But whatever you do, make it a positive change, not a negative one. This is the Truth Hurts program, and we'll see you next time.